Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 92 of the Tick Bootcamp podcast. The title of today's interview is If I Knew Then, an interview with Corrine Summers. My name is Richard Johannesson. And I'm Matt Sabatello. Today's podcast guest is Corrine Summers. Corrine Summers is a 34-year-old wellness coach, Reiki master, and yoga instructor from Chicago, Illinois. A few days after hiking in Shenandoah in 2010, Ms. Summers noticed a tick on her stomach. She developed flu-like symptoms and a bullseye rash. She knew her rash was a sign of Lyme disease and went to an urgent care doctor where she tested positive for Lyme disease. Ms. Summers was put on doxycycline but had an allergic reaction after three days and was never given any other care. She faced a slew of new symptoms. She had an ovarian cyst, anxiety and depression, digestive issues and brain fog. Almost eight years and 40 doctors later, Ms. Summers tested positive for Lyme disease once again and found out that it had been the root cause of her symptoms for the eight year period. She has since treated her Lyme disease with amoxicillin, herbal medicines, and mindful fitness techniques. Overall, Ms. Summers wants to shift her mind to that of a healthier person and knows that the rest of her body will follow. She credits Lyme disease with allowing her to transform into a stronger version of herself and started her own wellness coaching business to help other Lymeys feel the same way. Hey, Corey Summers, and welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for having me. We're really blessed to have you, and we thank you for coming on and agreeing to share your story with us and with our listeners. Yeah, like I told you guys before, I'm a little nervous but excited since this is one of the first times I'm, you know, really fully sharing the details. So thanks, everybody, for being here. Great. Can you first share with us what you do for work? Yeah, I'm a mindfulness wellness coach. Um, I specialize in meditation as well as Reiki. And it's actually something that developed as a result of my Lyme journey. So I'm excited to, to share more about that as well. And where do you currently live? I'm in Chicago, Illinois. So, Corinne, can you now walk back to your childhood and where you grew up? Yes, I grew up in Maryland, Pennsylvania, or in Maryland and Pennsylvania. So I was born in Southern Maryland, Chesapeake area. Ticks were a really common part of my childhood growing up as well. We used to play in the woods a lot, and that was the first thing we did when we came inside was to check for ticks. It wasn't too different in Pennsylvania either, Western Pennsylvania, so a little bit outside of Pittsburgh. Do you recall having been bitten by ticks during your childhood? Yes, actually. I was a couple of times, and you know, it's one of those things that I think everybody wonders once you are an adult and have, you know, this, like a line thing happened. You know, I had obviously later in my journey a very recognizable tick bite with the bullseye rash. But of course, I've wondered, you know, when I go back, it's like, hmm, maybe I also was bitten as a kid, as a kid and um, that made me more susceptible to it in the future. Who knows? Now, do you recall showing any symptoms during your childhood, which you now looking back would think it might have been the onset of a tick disease? Well, you know, I always had bronchitis a lot. And so that was one of the main things I struggled with. But honestly, I was a pretty high energy kid and teenager and young adult before my, my real, you know, bulk of my Lyme journey started. I, you know, people were always commenting about how, how do you do so much in a day and how, you know, successful and ambitious. And, you know, I was always balancing a lot of things and, and pretty high energy. So Corrine, during your youth, what types of goals did you set for yourself and what steps did you take to pursue those goals? 
Well, I, I guess I had a lot of different areas that I was ambitious in. For a long time, I actually thought I was going to be a dancer, fun fact, and then I injured my knee in a skiing incident my senior year of high school. So those plans changed, and I'd grown up working in my dad's financial planning firm and was always really good at math and finance, and so I ended up in a financial services career myself as well and working for big companies like LPL. Uh, I was a manager at Prudential. Uh, I was in financial advisor at Merrill Lynch. So I, you know, I had always worked towards this really kind of high level career. I had all of my licenses, my series seven, my series 66, my insurance license by the time I was 21, um, which was pretty unheard of. Karine, when did you first begin to show the symptoms of a tick disease? In 2010, June. So it's weird because it's actually, you know, this is coming right up on my 10 year anniversary. Um, I was hiking with my partner at the time out in Shenandoah. We went to like a bed and breakfast for a little weekend getaway, you know, enjoying nice brunches and went to a winery and went hiking every day. And it was a few days after we got back from that trip that I found a tick on my belly. And so I was already a little startled because it was a few days after, you know, it had been on me for a while. And then a couple days after that, I had this huge rash in the, it was like a three ring rash. And so I immediately went to the urgent care where they diagnosed me on the spot with, with Lyme and put me on doxycycline. So now I just want to frame this time in your life. You, you, shared with us that you were in the financial services industry, you were this high energy gal, uh, you had all of these licenses by the time that you were 21, and now you're 24 years old and you get bitten by a tick. What kinds of things were you involved in in your life between that 21 and 24 year old period at the time that you had gotten bitten by the tick? A better question is what was I not involved in? Um, I lived in Washington DC at the time, so I left Pittsburgh and had my first big girl job at a firm in Washington, D.C., and I also did fundraising for charities and um, was very, very involved in politics. Um, I had several board positions. I also worked on a women, uh, helping women like community board. So I was involved in everything. I had so many friends. I was always busy. I had an activity, at least one, every night after work for probably that entire period of my life before I got sick. I, I was doing it all. So now you're 24 years old, doing it all. You're, doing, uh, you're out hiking with a partner and you suffer this tick bite. How did your symptoms begin to develop and how did that interfere with this vast social life that you had? You know, it kind of crept up on me. I think I was in denial that there was anything going on for a while, especially just because of how weird the original diagnosis was. You know, I was, I was put on doxycycline and I was only on it for a couple of days and they told me that I should be fine. I wasn't put on anything else and I wasn't very familiar with the details of Lyme disease. I just knew, you know, from growing up, like I said, in Maryland, Pennsylvania, like this is something I should pay attention to. I knew the, the bullseye rash and, you know, it's not good to have a tick on you for a couple of days. But I was basically sent on my merry way after that. And then I had all these weird things start to pop up. Like I started getting bronchitis really bad again for long, long periods, like a month at a time. And then I um, had an ovarian cyst rupture and I started to develop a lot of digestive issues that I didn't have before out of nowhere. And I was really healthy too. So I, I also 
I ran a lot. Like it would not be weird for me to have a 10 mile run on the weekend. And I was also really active at the gym. I did yoga. I was a vegetarian at the time and I ate pretty healthy. So it was weird that I kept getting sick in all of these different areas to me. So Kareen, you had this tick biting you for at least several days and only were given two to three days of doxycycline before you had an allergic reaction and got no further treatment. Correct. Felt like my whole body was, I had hives and was on fire. And then at that point, your doctor said, you don't need to take it anymore and you're going to be fine and you won't be sick anymore. Is that what happened with your doctor? Yeah. And to be honest, it was a little hazy. I mean, I'm 24. Like I explained to you, I'm like the picture of health for the most part. And I didn't even have a primary care doctor at the time. I had never really even used my insurance. So I went to the urgent care and I don't even remember like which urgent care I went to. They weren't making a big deal of it. It didn't seem like it was something that was a serious concern. And you got sick pretty quickly after this, again, after the three-day treatment. Did you ever think back, maybe this was associated with your tick bite and the short course of doxycycline you were given? Honestly, no. It's weird to me now that I didn't, that I didn't think of it before, that it took, it took until 2018 to put all the pieces of the puzzle together. And that was eight years later, right? Correct. Yeah. Eight years. Four years. So, Corinne, as your symptoms are beginning to develop, how is it impacting first your professional life? Is it having an impact on your capacity to perform at work at a high level? Yeah, I would say, especially starting around, you know, a few years after, a couple years after this, it was 2012 that things continued to get worse and worse and worse. And I ended up, you know, going to the doctors to seek more and more answers. It was past the point that I could ignore it anymore. And it was starting to impact my job, my energy, my emotions, my, you know, I mean, being sick day after day after day, you know, I was dealing with a lot of digestive issues. And so it was really starting to wear me down. And at that point, you know, I really lost a lot of energy for work. I was still succeeding and I prioritized it probably at the expense of my own health during that time, you know, I think when you're dealing with these issues that are a mystery, it's really easy to think, oh, I just need to suck it up. You know, everybody, you know, other people feel this way and um, I just need to keep going. And I actually think at the level that I kept going hurt me and prevented me from healing. So Corey, let's talk about the challenges that you were having in the healing journey. Were you able to socialize at this very high level where you were now going out every single night during this 21 to 24 year old window? Did that begin to slow down? Yes, definitely. The time in Seattle, things really started to shift and I struggled a lot with loneliness as I kind of withdrew from my social experiences. And it was because I quickly became very limited in what I could do. You know, I didn't have energy a lot. And I only had energy to do my job. And I felt, you know, really tied to being successful there. And it was important to me. And so I put so much energy into my career and my relationship at the time. And I didn't really have, I started to lose the energy for anything else. And I was also really confused. You know, I had no idea what was happening to me. I had about a dozen diagnoses and nothing was making sense. You know, I I got a different answer every time I went to the doctor and my family members were asking questions. My friends would ask questions and I didn't have answers. And I don't know. I think it made me feel ashamed a little bit. And just like, it was just so confusing. It was like, how do I not know what's going on with my body? 
And so I started to withdraw quite a bit around that time. So now as your work-life balance begins to now tilt almost entirely towards work, where you're putting all of your energy into work, how do you start to change emotionally? Meaning what kind of stories are you telling yourself and what kind of doubts are beginning to creep into your head? Oh, I mean, it was a lot of fear for all of you out there suffering with a tick-borne illness. I know that you know what this is like to not know and not be getting answers and to feel unsafe. That was really what it was. I didn't feel safe and nobody could give me any kind of answers. It, it seemed, you know, it was like, oh, I'm just going to have another, every time I go to the doctor, there's going to be something else wrong. And there wasn't a lot of, I wasn't receiving a lot of compassion in the medical field as well. It just feels like you're being passed off from one person to another, to another. Um, they're always losing my medical records. You know, it was very um, isolating. And I had luckily gotten some really good advice from a doctor early on that said I had to be an advocate to myself and that I could get easily get lost in the medical system and that the most important thing I could do was to advocate for myself. And I think that's probably, even though I was mad at her at first when she said that because I didn't think it should be right or how it is, that's probably what really pushed me towards my inner journey, my inner healing journey, which has been so important to my overall healing. So now these fear loops that you found yourself in, did that have an impact on the people in your life? Were there people who were just tired of you not upholding your side of the social equation? Were there people who you know, no longer wanted to interact with you because they were sick of you being sick? How is this impacting you in your social circles and your social contacts? Yeah, and I became really flaky. I would bail on stuff at the last minute and I didn't always have answers and it you know, pe people get tired of that, even if you're, you know, they, you're not feeling well. And I wasn't comfortable really talking about the deep details of what I was going through and all these different diagnoses, because I just still, still it, it felt like this mystery, you know, I still didn't, wasn't getting the right answers. So it pretty significantly started to impact my friendships and my relationships. I lost a lot of friends. Karine, you mentioned that over this eight-year window from 2010 to 2018, you had some misdiagnoses by various doctors. Can you describe for us what those misdiagnoses were? Yes. And I actually, I don't know if, which ones were misdiagnoses and which ones were, were real, but I had that ovarian cyst rupture. I had um, candida and parasites and IBS and H. pylori, all of these gut issue dysfunctions. I also had hepatitis and Epstein-Barr, and lots of severe chronic bronchitis, allergies, psoriasis, the arthritis, as well as anxiety, I was depressed, I had brain fog, about 50 different food sensitivities, some chronic cysts, I ended up with some lymph and other skin issues. So Corrine, most of these problems or symptoms that you were having aren't really related. Some are, but some aren't. So how are your doctors explaining Correct. that these are all related? Were they, or are they just saying, we have no idea why you're having such a wide variety of symptoms and we can't pinpoint the real root cause? Well, I also moved several times during this period. So I had doctors and think part of it is that nobody was really communicating with each other and my medical records were getting lost all of the time. And I had doctors in Washington, D.C., in Seattle, Washington, and then I moved to Chicago. So I was seen by, I think I was at five different hospitals total, as well as other specialists and some private, you know, practices, different primary care physicians. So 
it was a, also a wide circle of people that were looking at what was going on. And like I said, I kept having to transfer my medical records so that didn't necessarily help the situation. Once they determined that it was chronic Lyme, they put all of these pieces of the puzzle together in that my immune function was so weakened, it's really easy to get sick in a lot of, in other ways. Karine, do you think that part of the problem is that a lot of these, these doctors and the hospitals and these specialists were just focusing on their niche or their specific part of the body and weren't taking a holistic approach, a whole body approach, and that's why they couldn't piece all the, everything together to say this is a systemic, you know, body-wide problem? Yeah, I definitely think that, you know, you go from one specialist to another to another. You know, you, once I had the digestive stuff was, you know, I, I spent a long time seeing different gastro doctors. And then, you know, it took so long for me to get to an infectious disease doctor. I'd seen so many different types of specialists and they aren't often speaking to each other. And that was why I started to seek a holistic approach because it takes the whole body, the whole mind, every part of our story into consideration. I also, you know, I can't help but blame myself sometimes too. It's like, I don't know why I didn't remember like the Lyme disease thing. Like it's, I had the rash and everything. I had the diagnosis and everything. So I wonder sometimes like, was it my fault that I didn't bring that up? Like, how did I not think of that? You know, when they, when they finally, when that was finally mentioned and it was by a doctor that did not know that part of my story. And I, my whole body like melted in that moment because I realized, oh my God, like you had the answer the whole time. Don't you think that kind of doubt is exactly what happens when you have Lyme disease? You begin to doubt yourself in every way, and then you beat yourself up when you finally get to the point where you have a diagnosis? Yes. I know that I'm not unique in that part of my journey. Like, we all, we all get into this place where we beat ourselves up a little bit, and it's difficult. When you're going through this journey with going from doctor to doctor and hospital to hospital, how much of your care is being paid for with insurance and how much out-of-pocket expense did you have to incur? I was really, really lucky, to be honest. I had incredible insurance working in finance during this time, and I was really lucky to have a lot of it taken care of. I definitely spent my entire deductible every year. I mean, I have every year, even last year, I ended up in the emergency room at the beginning of the year, and that paid my whole deductible by January 15th. So I, you know, I had a few thousand dollars every year for my deductible, but a lot of my medications were covered. The hepatitis situation I know is especially unique in my case and not really related, except that most people at my age fight it off. I have a lot of tattoos and that's what the doctors pinned that back to. But because my immune function was so weak at the time, they're saying you can't fight anything off. And that was about a half a million dollars worth of medication to be treated for that. And I had to take some time off work a couple of different times through my journey, but then especially, and I only paid, you know, a few hundred dollars. I look back at that and I cry sometimes. I'm like, Oh my God, I can't believe I was taken care of in that way. So I've been really lucky. I know many are not where I spend my money is on my holistic care. But Corinne, do you think that perhaps there may have been a downside to having the level of insurance coverage that you had? And, and this is a unique question for us here at Tick Boot Camp because 
with almost everyone else that we've interviewed in the past, they haven't had adequate insurance coverage to provide for the care that they needed. I'm just wondering, you know, and I'd like to explore this with you. Do you think maybe you stayed in the traditional system longer because you had such good coverage and that maybe if you didn't have that coverage, you would have gone to the alternatives that ultimately allowed you to be successful on this journey? Yes, that's probably true. And I know I did end up staying in finance way longer than I wanted to. 2012, when I moved to Seattle, I started a job in finance there, but I also started my first yoga and meditation teacher training, which is something that I had started to really, you know, want to shift into at that point. And because of my health scares, I was really afraid to leave that job. It took me, it took me a lot longer to make the jump to the wellness coaching side of my journey than I think it would have if I hadn't had that safety net. So now, Kareen, eight years into this journey, how did Lyme come back into the equation? Was it you or a doctor that finally thought, maybe this is all just chronic Lyme? So this is the interesting thing. Because of you know, the, the prior, like the, the digestive issues that I was diagnosed with when I was in Seattle, the hepatitis and the psoriasis and the food sensitivities and all these things that were popping up, I had gone on a really, really clean diet. And I had basically stripped like everything processed. I didn't drink for two and a half years. I cut everything out of my diet. I went really strict. I was doing like bone broth. I was making all my own food from scratch. I put a lot of time into that and just some other holistic things. It was also when I was really getting deep into my meditation practices and yoga and other holistic, just natural ways of, of living and being. And I got really into it. And that was probably like 2013, 14, 15. And I continued to get more and more dedicated to those practices and to the way I was eating and caring for myself. Then, so flash forward, I moved to Chicago. I'm in Chicago. This is when I find out, like, uh, or when I'm trying to get treatment for the hepatitis because I was denied for treatment twice because I didn't have enough cirrhosis of my liver, which is a fun fact that can happen. I had to fight with insurance companies for a couple of years to actually get approved to be treated for that. So when I was treated for that, they told me that was what was wrong causing all my other problems. And so I thought I was going to be better. And so I went back to more of a normal, I started like living again. I made some new friends. I went out to eat again. I would have wine from time to time. I started to just live like a more of a normal life. And then I started to get sick again. And I started falling out of crow pose in yoga and couldn't, uh, I started falling when I was walking down the street. My joints were giving out. I was having, I just, just cascade of problems about a year after I started to go back to living more of a real life. And it was then that I realized how much my holistic practices has actually been keeping me well. And that there was still, that meant there was still something under there, under the surface. And that was when I went back to the rounds of doctors. So Karina, I'm finding your, your healing journey to be really interesting in that as you're getting sicker and sicker and you're becoming socially isolated and you're having challenges at work, you are still taking on a new activity and you're beginning to study yoga and meditation and these other practices. How did you find the energy to move into that arena when you, all the rest of your life was beginning to become more and more isolated? 
well, I was home alone all the time. I, I just, I, I mean, I read and I studied and it was more this, it really shocked me to be as sick as I was, as young as I was when I had always been so healthy. And I, I probably became a little bit obsessed with just getting back to feeling good again. And why did you think your answers would be found in that area of study? Honestly, it was just this gut feeling. I ju it was just a feeling I had, like a pull towards this way of life. And I, for some reason, just thought that the answers were going to be there, there for me. And it was because I had experienced the physical changes in my mind and body by practicing these things. Like I was seeing it in real time that they were helping me. So do you think that you were being spiritually prepared for the journey that you were about to go on? Oh my gosh, I had no idea the journey I was about to go on. I mean, you look back and you put all these things together and it's like crazy for me sometimes to think about it. I don't wish Lyme on anybody and there are so many days that I wonder why I have to go through this. But then because of the way it actually transformed my life and, and what I got into and, and leaving finance and doing this coaching now and helping myself and being able to help others is one of the most rewarding parts of, of my life. And so I guess a lot if I had to go through something like this, it, you know, now I'm able to help others and it's helped me and it's not perfect, but it certainly has made me stronger. So Corrine, you now finally get your hepatitis treatment. You think that's the root cause of all of your symptoms. You start to relive your life again, and then you get really, really, really sick, and it continues to worsen. And this ultimately leads you up to your final chronic Lyme diagnosis. So how did that diagnosis occur? So I was seeing a few different sets of doctors. You know, my approach has always kind of been, and this is probably because of peer pressure also from my family and other loved ones, but like you have to go to the Western doctor and your Eastern hippie doctors. That's basically what my parents have said. So, you know, I, 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 I take the two tone and I want to know, you know, I, I, you know, I think diagnostic testing has it's obviously it's time and it's place and didn't help me a lot along, along this journey, but I thought it was you know important to get two sets of opinions. And so, I was seeing a, I got to an infectious, I actually ended up getting into a, uh, an infectious disease doctor. But the thing that happened first was that I saw a doctor who did what's called nutrition response testing, basically nervous system testing. And they basically compare your nervous system response to different toxins, as well as different high dose nutrients and kind of analyze where your body then has either it, it is missing something or it has something toxic in it that's reacting to this. Really fascinating process. She's the one that told me that after we finished this, this testing, which I, again, I thought she, you know, was going to be something like digestive, what, you know, whatever, something minor. And she looked at me knowing nothing about this part of my history. And she says, you have Lyme disease. And I remembered that my tick bite instantly, of course. I was like, oh my gosh, this actually puts the pieces of the puzzle together. And so, yeah, so that pushed me back into, you know, I went to get the second opinion of a, of a hospital here in Chicago and saw the infectious disease doctor. And I only did the Western blot, which did come back negative. They told me that I would probably have results if I did further testing. And the name is slipping my mind right now. It's the one that goes really deep. 
What, was it through a lab like Igenix or DNA Connection? Igenix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was told that I should do that, and I just chose not to spend the money because I had a really good infectious disease doctor who looked me in the face and said, even though this particular test came back negative because of, you know, X, Y, and Z, you know, we actually, she even knew, she actually was really good. Like she knew, hey, there's a lot of failures in testing, especially after a journey like you've had, your symptoms, your testing, and your story are enough for me to say that you have chronic Lyme. I will only be able to put you on more antibiotics through your insurance company. That's all they're going to improve in terms of taking action, but you're doing a really good job of managing your symptoms on your own and your that one of your best chances of putting your symptoms into bigger remission is to actually continue to seek holistic care. So Corrine, was it two different doctors? It sounds like you may have been a first doctor who did this autonomic response testing for your nervous system. And then you went to an infectious disease doctor to follow up with the Western blot, which was negative. But then that doctor still said, you know what, you still have it. And we should continue on the path that you're on. Was it two separate doctors or, or just the one infectious disease doctor? Two. And what was the first doctor? Was that, was that a naturopath? What, what type of doctor was that? A naturopath who does, also does the nutrition response testing is a separate certification as well. So for our listeners who are interested in this type of testing, what would you recommend they do to try to find out what doctor they can see to get this test to see if they have Lyme disease based on other negative tests that they may have had? I would look up a nutrition, I mean, I would look, uh, look up NRT in your area, find someone who is, is certified to do that kind of testing. So you could search NRT, nutrition response testing, nervous system response testing. Sometimes chiropractors, it's usually in the holistic spheres that you find it. So naturopaths and other types of, you know, holistic care and chiropractors as well sometimes have that certification, I've noticed. So now that you have this confirmation from a naturopath and an infectious disease doctor that although you had a negative Western blot, you still have chronic Lyme, and they were encouraging you, rightfully so, to follow down this holistic path to heal, what were your next steps now to aggressively treat yourself in the holistic arena? Well, the first thing I did was go back to a, well, I actually, I did a lot of research and met with several different holistic doctors on different diet things, but I ended up, I cut out alcohol again, as well as all processed, you know, all processed food, sugar, dairy, and gluten. So I went completely dairy-free and gluten-free, sugar, like all, all of it. So that was one of the, for the first things. And then I started this huge, you know, I started a detox program and gosh, I really did so many things at that point. I just kind of went all in. It had been exactly eight years. Once I felt like I had that last piece of the puzzle, it's like, okay, I know what I have to do now. You know, they're telling me I'm going to have these symptoms forever. And I wasn't willing to accept that. And what I know about health from, you know, my studies in mindfulness, meditation, and Ayurveda, I believe the body has the ability to heal if we put it in the right conditions. In our modern world, we're not being served those right conditions. Our brains are too active and overstimulated from technology. We have a very, you know, polluted environment. Our food is toxic shit. You know, you go to the grocery store, I can only shop in like two aisles in an entire grocery store. And I just think about how many people are out there 
putting their bodies not in the decision to through the way that, you know, just again, our natural environment is everything that you buy at the store in a bottle is full of toxins when you actually start to look into it. And those things are slowly poisoning our bodies. So I went like deep dive. I, I don't use any toxic chemicals. I haven't used things like deodorant and face wash and all that in like five years. I use all like natural products. And then I also, you know, I did, I did the right therapies with like a lot of um, supplements. So I first had to handle a lot of the digestive things. I was doing digestive enzymes and oregano oils and all kinds of different supplements. You know, I had 20 pills a day I was taking for a while and I was sleeping a ton almost that entire summer and started sound healing. I continued with Reiki, yoga, meditation. I did cryo and infrared sauna, which is one of the therapies that I, I really believed in. Basically, if you could, any, anything holistic I could find, I, I started to implement into my routines. So, Corinne, as you started to go down this path, I'm wondering how your family reacted. You said your family wanted you to go both to the traditional doctors and your hippie doctors. Now, it's clear you're now going the hippie path. So how did your family respond to that? Well, they're really supportive of me now because they see that I'm feeling better than I have in a really long time. So I think, you know, as I continue to heal and grow stronger, I mean, I'm still able to work. And, you know, I know so many people that are suffering out there have not have a much worse situation than I've been dealt or are unable to work or unable to get themselves back into a place that they can function in society. And so I think, you know, with my family and my friends, seeing me kind of come back to life a little bit and have strength and, and energy and, you know, they're, they're convinced. Well, Corinne, but I'm not really asking you how everyone's reacting to you now. Clearly you're healthy. Clearly it's worked. I'm asking you how your uh, family reacted to you when you were making the decision, because you, you suggested earlier they were okay with you going down the hippie path, but, you know, they really wanted you to take the traditional approach as well. And I think it was very brave of you to make the pivot from traditional to alternative. And I'm wondering whether or not you were fully supported when you were making that decision initially. No, I was not fully supported. I also stopped involving other people's opinions. I realized that I have to follow my own true north on this. And I, you know, part of my mindfulness training and, and teaching and coaching is, is that, is, is connecting with what we believe is best, which only we know, only you know truly what is best for you. And only you can make that decision. You know, two people will look at one situation and see two completely different things. We have to be able to step outside of fear. We have to learn how to trust ourselves. And I think we really need to let go of the expectations and opinions of others. They don't get to decide. So I understand that you now have a framework that you're teaching others, but I'm asking you, how did you find that framework? <laughs> how did what? How did you find that framework? And how did you find the strength to now finally listen to your own body rather than allowing other people in your life to influence how you should move forward? It was because I had experienced it so vividly in my own body. You know, my experiences in India and Nepal and going through my trainings. And once I could feel the difference in the way my mind and body were working, it was easier for me to buy in. 
Karine, let's talk about some of the, the treatments that you did because there are a lot of interesting ones I know many of our, our listeners are going to be interested in. The first one is cryotherapy. There's a lot of talk about cryotherapy to help treat many chronic illnesses. So how did that work for you? And what was it like? It's so cold. It's freezing. And it actually was exhausting the first few times I went through the process. I did a little research. So first, a place opened here in Chicago that called Freeze and Float that a few different people had recommended to me. They do both. They do the infrared. They do cryo. They have float tanks. And it's a really nice holistic services. And so I had a few people recommend to me. And I looked into, I don't remember what I was Googling and researching exactly, but, you know, cryo and sauna and infrared for Lyme to see if there was any research out there on it. And I found a couple of different articles, one in particular that broke down that you should do the infrared followed by the cryo because one of the problems I had doing infrared on its own is that I get really sick after. I mean, I know, you know, a lot of you out there that have tried this and probably say the same thing, like the, the, the detox impact when stuff is coming to surface, you know, when we're detoxing and we're bringing this stuff to surface, we're going to feel it. That's just part of the, unfortunately, part of the process. And so with infrared, you know, it mobilizes all the bacteria and brings it to the surface. And then supposedly the cryo, if you do it right after, like freezes it off. And I'm not a doctor, so, you know, I'm just putting out there what I researched and found and decided to try for myself. And it was still tough, but I had a way better experience doing those two back to back than I had when I was doing infrared by itself. The more regular you are, the better it works as well. There are various ways people do this type of therapy. So what was it like for you using this facility? Was it an ice bath? Yeah, you can do the facial is one version. I did the full body cryo. So it's like this circular cylinder tank and you get in naked. (laughs) You have just gloves on and socks on and you spin in circles for the entire, it's only three minutes and you spin in circles the entire time. And then that's it. And it's really cold. (laughs) Do you get any herxing effects from cryotherapy? Well, that's what I was saying. It was way, the herxing was way less when I combined the cryo with the infrared, for me at least. Now, when I first started it, it was still, you know, the first few times I still had a pretty big impact, herx impact, but then the more I was doing it, it felt better and better. Is it something that you've been doing on and off over the last two years? Because you got diagnosed, officially diagnosed with chronic Lyme two years ago, and you've been treating since then. So is this something you did consistently for a while, and now you're doing on and off? Yeah, I've actually only been doing that since last summer. That's, a new, that's one of the newer therapies I've introduced. Is this something that you would recommend to other Lymeys who are looking for something to help them feel better and advance their healing journey? Yes, I definitely would. And look, I think, you know, each of our journeys, it's important to remember that each of our journeys are unique and it's important to find what works for you. So give it a try, see how you feel. Another therapy you mentioned that sounded really interesting was sound therapy. So can you talk to us about what that was like, how it was administered and how it helped you? Yes. Every, you know, everything in the world is made of energy and has a vibrational frequency. This is how I look at the world from my perspective of Reiki and, you know, the, the energy and meditation practices that I've, I've studied now for so many years. And we each have our own biomagnetic field, which 
like all energy, it's not static, it can be manipulated, it can change. And so we can use tools like our breath, even like, you know, certain breathing techniques, we can use Reiki, we can use meditation, and we can use sound, the sound is actually very, very effective, it's a literal vibration that creates a change in your own electromagnetic field as you experience it, putting in you into an optimal state to heal. It can be, you know, sound can be used, you know, to detox certain things. Each note is connected to a different part of our brains, and it's another one of those things that's unique. You know, your brain might respond to three certain frequencies differently than Rich, Matt, you know, and differently than me. Um, but for one person, you know, they might hear it might release stress or, or create a deep healing vibration. For someone else, it might create joy or a sense of peace. So I do highly recommend that you guys look into, you know, a yoga studio near you or someone that's doing some kind of sound healing. And At the very least, you're going to feel really relaxed and like super calm after. We've actually had other guests who have used sound therapy. And I said the same thing that it's just, it induces this very relaxed sense of being. And for our listeners who want to learn more about this, where do you actually go to get this sound therapy? Well, you can go, a lot of times yoga studios will have someone that plays sound bowls and like they'll do occasional events. I have my own sound instruments now. So you can also buy like a Tibetan sound bowl for a pretty decent price, um, you know, especially what most people are spending on their treatment anyway. It's like you can get a, your own sound instrument for, you know, between 50 and $150. So you could get one of those Tibetan sound bowls. I also have the, these tuning forks, the Sofegio frequencies. So it's nine different tuning forks and you hit it with like a little gong and you hold it up to either of your ears and it creates, you know, a, a certain vibration. Each one of the nine forks connects to a different part of your, your brain or body or has a different, has a different purpose. Uh, so I've been having fun playing around with those as well. I just got those about six months ago. Kareem, the sound therapy, is it enhancing the immune system or is it actually going after the bacteria and killing the bacteria with these frequencies? With all of these holistic practices, I think we need to think of it as supporting our immune systems to rid itself of the bacteria or to at least put the symptoms in remission. Our brains, our bodies are incredibly powerful. And if we, you know, it, it's, it's mostly about supporting the immune system and giving the body the conditions that it needs to do the other healing work. It already knows how to heal. I do believe that. I do believe that it knows how to heal. Our bodies know how to heal. They know how to rid ourselves of harmful toxins but we're often not in the right condition to support that. And so the best thing that we can do when we're dealing with these chronic issues that have a lot of mystery and not a lot of tangible, you know, advice, it's like, I'm sure the supplements that I've taken, you know, are different from what most everybody else, you know, we can't always compare those things. What we can all do is work to put our bodies in the best condition possible to heal. And that's by these activities that, one, reduce stress that's really important. If we're going around in this fear-based stress, our, we're in fight or flight all the time. Our, we're not in the condition to heal. Our nervous systems are out of whack. So this is calming the nervous system, reducing stress, and then also supporting, strengthening the immune system, strengthening brain function, and strengthening gut function. Those are things we can all work on. 
Korean, on the note of reducing stress, because many Limeys are, are stressed. We're just, it's, it's a constant emotional roller coaster. And in your pre-interview questionnaire, you mentioned that you have done things like herbs and uh, adaptogenic herbs. So can you talk to our listeners about what these adaptogenic herbs are and how they have helped you specifically? Yes. So I actually use a complex mix. Actually, there's four of them from one of my favorite brands called Coco Glow. And I'm happy to, we can maybe send some follow-up information out about them if you guys are interested, because taking that daily supplement has absolutely changed my life. They're like woman-owned business out in Portland. And one of them, they're Chinese herbalists, and one is an acupuncturist. And they developed these four different mixes for different purposes and you can use them they're really easy to use this is what i like the most and i actually i recommend them to my clients all the time as well because one you could put in like tea or coffee one you can add to and it's like cocoa and cinnamony one you can put in your smoothie um one is like a bone broth but it's they're all vegan and i don't know the the list is you know they have like 20 different the 30 different chinese herbs and adaptogens in each one but Overall, they do all those things I was just talking about. Detox, gut and digestion, brain power, also reducing stress. There's something I would, I would highly look into. CBD, I use a physician-led, uh, physician-designed CBD as well called Synergy Bionaturals. And if, if people are interested in either of these, I have discount codes as well. And you guys can get a discount on their, on their products but they've been, they've been really helpful. And the CBD includes other uh, adaptogens in it too. One of them is with ashwagandha and one of them, I think rhodiola. So Corrine, we're going to put a link to your Instagram profile as well as all of your links that you have. So our listeners can go and find you and contact you about all this great information that you provided. And one last thing I want to ask you about your treatment is you mentioned that you use a lot of Ayurvedic technique. So can you describe for listeners what that is and, and also how to properly pronounce it? Yes, Ayurveda. So Ayurveda is commonly known as India's holistic medical system. Um, but it, it takes into mind, you know, it kind of categorizes people into these three mind body types and then analyzes how to bring, it's all about bringing your body back into balance. So it's, again, it's going back to those same, those same things I was talking about. They use a word called ojas. And it's about strengthening your vitality and your immune system and getting to the root of disease. So looking at, you know, where the original root of disease was and supporting the body from that root cause. They say it always starts in the gut, actually. That's where kind of the root, the root usually is when our, when our, our gut function creates the environment that, you know, everything else can, can start to go, metabolic function and immune and everything else. I just did a Panchakarma, it's their 23-day detox program. And I would highly recommend that folks look into that because it's a really, it's a really deep detox that can give you kind of a great starting off point to then implement some of these other holistic practices. So can you talk more about what Reiki, am I saying that correctly, what Reiki is and how it has helped you? Yeah, so Reiki is another energy technique. I'm a Reiki master myself, so this is something that I practice on myself and, and also use with others. 
But similar to music and sound therapy, what we're doing is we're shifting the vibration or the frequency of the electromagnetic field. Generally speaking, it's a Japanese relaxation practice. So it's again going to support you in stress relief. And when we reduce stress, we put our bodies in the best position possible to heal. So for you, Kareem, looking back at your journey over the past two years of now treating chronic Lyme from a holistic perspective, what would you say was the one thing or the group of things that has worked best for you in your experience? Well, first, the work I did with my NRT, which I know I didn't get into, I didn't get into a lot of details about the specific supplements and different things because those are very unique to each individual. And, you know, I do think that you should, you should seek a specialist in that area so that it can be tailored to your body. And it was always, it was constantly changing as my body was healing and developing. So starting out therapy with her was really, really critical to put my body in the best position for these other therapies to then work. The Cocoa Glow Chinese herbs with adaptogens, the cryo and infrared, and like the sound and, and Reiki, those made the biggest, the biggest differences for me. So over the past two years, you've come a really, really long way from where you were 10 years ago. What would you say, percentage-wise, you are today, how much you've restored your health? Well, sometimes that answer varies day by day. I would say I 75, 70. So Karina, I think you've made one of the most interesting transformations of anyone we've ever interviewed. It seems to me that you were born and bred. Oh, wow financial services professional and you followed this path that looks like was created for you by your family and you became this very successful financial services professional working in many cities making a lot of money and now you are what your family would probably describe as a hippie practitioner so talk to, <laughs> talk to us about that transition and how your Lyme disease journey brought you from this high stress high intensity financial professional to now being a gal who's a healer? Gosh, you know, if somebody told me this would have been my life, I would have never believed them. So it feels uh, more like I'm watching a movie of somebody else's life sometimes, like looking back, it's like, wow, all of these things came together that somehow put me on this path. Somehow this journey has opened up a total new avenue for living and for me. And it brought gosh, it brought like hope back into my life and love back into my life. And I wouldn't change it for anything. I'm so glad that if I had to go through all of this, that at least now I'm able to continue to grow stronger and to support others. I think that's the biggest thing. And that's where I feel the most blessed in my life as a whole. I wake up every day feeling grateful that I get to do something to serve others and maybe put their their path on, um, you know, into a little bit of a, of a brighter spot or offer them something from, you know, my journey and my story that can help them too. Because that was really why I became so obsessed about this stuff. It was like, I, I want to share this. I know there are so many other people that are struggling and suffering and not getting the answers that they need. And we have so much power within ourselves and within our minds and bodies. And we do have, even when it feels like, I know that for everybody out there that's struggling with Lyme, you feel out of control. Your life feels like it's out of control and like there's nothing you can do sometimes. And, you know, I guess it was almost selfish. Like, no, we do have control. 
take our power back. We, there are things that we can do. And I felt really empowered in that when I started to see changes and shifts in my mind and body. And, you know, I still have really hard days, but I feel like I have the tools I need to get myself back into harmony and back into balance and back on track. And that's what feels good. So if I can offer, you know, any last words of advice, guys, just keep on your journey and don't give up on yourself. And you've got to trust that you are going to make the right decisions for you. So Corinne, you've developed frameworks professionally that allowed you to get your body and your life back in harmony and back in balance. If folks wanted to reach out to you and work with you, how would they find you and what types of services could you offer to our listeners? Uh, that's a great question. Thank you. I would, gosh, I would be honored to support and, and help anybody you know, listening to this that I possibly could if you're interested and you want to learn more. You can schedule a free interest session with me on my website, which is artisanpharmacy.com. And that's spelled artisan, A-R-T-I-S-A-N. And pharmacy is spelled like a farm, S-A-R-M-A-C-Y. So kind of recognizing like we have all of these things within us and in our environment that we can use to heal. And so I do one-on-one -on -one wellness coaching to support others who want to learn these same practices. Um, I do, I like to do a 12 week program where I basically teach you as much as I possibly can of how to apply these things to your own life. Because again, we're all really unique and some, the same thing doesn't work for everybody. So it's all about tailoring it to fit your life, your schedule. And I'm happy to offer a 50% discount to our Kick Boot Camp listeners. So if anybody, you know, like I said, just go on my website, schedule that meeting with me. You can check me out on Instagram under the same name. Thank you for listening to the Tick Bootcamp interview with Corrine Summers. To our listeners, we have a call to action. First, if you'd like to learn more about Corrine Summers, please visit our Instagram page at Artisan Pharmacy. Second, if you enjoyed this episode of the Tick Bootcamp podcast, please share it with your friends by using the social media buttons you see at the bottom of this post. Third, we here at Tick Bootcamp have created a Tick by Blueprint that has been inspired by the information that has been shared with us by past podcast guests. We urge you to visit our website at www.tickbootcamp.com to view the blueprint. We would appreciate it if you would contact us with any suggestions you have for improvements. Fourth, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, or Spotify to get the automatic episode updates for our Tick Bootcamp podcast. And finally, we thank you, our listeners, for your comments on our past podcast episodes. Please take a minute to leave us an honest review on iTunes, on Instagram, or on our website. We make it a point to read every single one of the reviews we get. Thank you for listening.